Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. And a good Thursday afternoon to you all. Sean Kleisinger with us as well in the Sports Cage on this Thursday edition. You can join in on the discussion at Sports Cage. Follow us on Twitter. That's the handle. Also, uh, you can chime in through the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 306-936-6262 or call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. Coming up on today's edition of the program, we'll go to Pittsburgh and visit with Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. In anticipation of tonight's Penguins-Oilers matchup, we'll do our regular Thursday check-in with Arash Madani. Regina Pats head coach John Paddock will join us uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline in response to last night's big win over the Medicine Hat Tigers. Connor Bedard had six points in on every goal for the Pats. Big surprise. Andy McNamara, our gambling expert, and Glenn Suter wants to talk about the crummy XFL TV ratings. So, uh... We'll look forward to that coming up in Hour 3 on this edition of the Sports Cage. One thing we know won't have crummy TV ratings is the 2023 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. And for that, we go to the scene in Kamloops, British Columbia, where we are very pleased and lucky to be joined by Brian Mudrick of TSN. Brian, thanks for joining us. Are you doing the broadcast tonight of The Draw? Uh, hey, Brennan, what's up? No, um, I will be uh, prepping uh, for some Montreal Canadiens coverage, a little bit of Briar coming up, so a, a night off, which is nice. And, of course, I'll be watching curling. Tonight will be crazy, though, because um, one of the um, pools will be decided. One is already set and one will be decided. So that tonight is must-see TV if you're a curling fan, for sure. I'll get to that in a second. You know, I, I had occasion many years ago to uh, sit down with Vic Router, and I remember him telling me that at the end of, I can't remember which tournament he was covering, but, you know, curling season, you have the Scotties, you have the Briar, you have the Worlds, etc. And uh, I think the words he used were, I think I'm pretty well fried at this point. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I watch the travel that a lot of our broadcaster friends go through in the hockey world, and, uh, well, especially hockey, and even baseball. Um, I feel like it's something that, you're probably glad when it's over, but then when you go through the off season, you kind of miss it a little bit. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's pretty fair. I, I think one of the things, a you know, you sign up for it. It's it's part of the job. Um, the best I tell people all the time: the best part of the job is when you you know the prep work's been done. You put the headset on, no matter what you're calling, and it's go time. And I mean, there's nothing better. Um, whether it's uh, you know curling. Or, or the hockey or, or the NHL stuff. It's uh, it's a privilege, man. You won't hear me complain. It's uh, it's the greatest job on earth. And yeah, the travel uh, it can get you. Um, but you know, it's just like anything. You just gotta you know do what you have to do to make yourself acclimatized to it, and uh, you know keep yourself ready to roll and sharp uh, when it's go time. Hunker down and let the adrenaline take over. I think that's what we call that. And a lot of coffee. A lot yeah, a lot of coffee, a lot of caffeine. Good call. Um, <laughs> I, I, I asked Russ Howard this when uh, he was on last week. Do the circumstances around this year's tournament feel like things are finally 100% back to normal from the pandemic? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Calgary was, I'm just going to call it what it was. It was, it was awful. Um, you know, that Calgary bubble was really tough uh, on a lot of people, um, on the athletes, right? They, uh, the testing, uh, the sacrifices. Uh, for those that played in every event, where, whether it was, you know, the Briar, then the mixed doubles, and there's, you're in that bubble for a long time. You can't have your family. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're a parent of, of young children, you can't see them. 
Um, I know even some of our broadcast crew was in that bubble upwards of 70 days. Um, so yeah, not, not fun, uh, in that aspect of things and, uh, you know, tough. So yeah, it's awesome. It's great to hear, um, you know, earlier today uh, in our feature, Rachel Holman made a crazy triple, um, takeout and to hear a bit of a buzz and a roar, right? Like it's just so nice. And, and just the interaction with, with, with fans and people that want to say hello and how you doing and welcome to Kamloops. Um, yeah, of course, all that stuff, uh, has definitely been missed and it's great to, to be back the things we used to take for granted not anymore at least for a while anyways uh, our guest on the western pizza hotline is tsn curling analyst brian mudrick dine in take out or delivery get it hot get it fast from western pizza okay saskatchewan's robin silvernagel two and six at the scotties only not nunavut has lost more games uh, i think i heard one of the analysts might have even been you i'm not 100 percent sure uh, mentioned at after three days uh, her hammer efficiency was as good as anybody's there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? We sometimes think that it's this skip against that skip. The reality is there's a million other factors, not the least of which are the other three people and the coaching and everything else involved. For sure. I mean, in a week like this, you need a lot of things to go right. Um, and, and for Robin herself, obviously, uh, just just not her week. Um, and my understanding, too, of their team is that they kind of were thrown together um, you know, just to compete in provincials and in the playdowns. And um, I don't know if you saw this Sandra Schmerler um, telethon day and obviously everything that Robin and her family's gone through personally with her, with her little guy and, and, you know, his health issues and how awesome it is to see uh, him and, and getting to watch mom compete. And, and uh, what an awesome little guy, man, that was a really special feature. So um, for the team, you know what, just not to be, I remember Robin coming out as a rookie, uh, I think it was Sydney, and it was her first time skipping and won the bronze medal. And, uh, I mean, tons of talent. Uh, you know, she's going to be back. Um, uh, the competition is always tough here, right? And especially you have the wild card format with three wild card teams. Uh, not, her, uh, not her championship this week, but uh, you know that Robin Silvernagel will be back. A lot of opportunities in the future for her, I'm sure. Um, Carrie Einerson is uh, the three-time defending champ, and her team Canada Rink is 7-0, and the last unbeaten team left standing. Hard to imagine her team outdoing themselves from what they've done in the past, but it sounds like that could happen. Yeah, she's already uh, beat Alberta today and has only Nunavut left on the schedule tonight, and that's the only match standing between her group and going undefeated in this round robin. They've emerged as the clear favorite to win and that would be four in a row if they do get it done and uh, by my count that's only been done by Colleen Jones out of Nova Scotia um, no matter what happens in the playoffs here they've clearly entered the conversation very quickly of maybe the greatest team of all time have they not well yeah so Scotty's era which started 1982 uh, only Colleen Jones has done it I had a good chat with Colleen Jones on the phone just to get some perspective um, because Colleen is someone to talk to for two things that could fall. Um, Jennifer Jones, no one's won seven, and mm-hmm. she's tied with uh, Colleen as a skip uh, with six, which is very remarkable, very special, and Carrie Anderson a chance, as you mentioned, to win four. And what Colleen Jones said was interesting in the sense that there's really no pressure on Carrie Anderson because her legacy is cemented. I mean, she has won three in a row, during a pandemic, during, you know, uh, an era, too, where there are wild card teams, where the competition is really tough, she's done everything. She's thrown every shot. She's seen everything. She's made everything. And you're right. That legacy is already cemented. So for her, what Colleen said is during her run, in the moment, you're not thinking about winning four. You're just thinking about winning again. And um, I think no matter what happens here, whether she wins four straight, whether she doesn't, 
uh, Kerry Anderson's team has uh, has proven that th- this is one of the most dynamic teams that we have seen um, at the Scotties at this level, and it's been a lot of fun to be able to watch. It's almost like that win that she won or that her team won in, um, I want to say, February of 2020 in Moose Jaw was in a whole other generation ago because that was before the pandemic. That was before we had the shutdown. So it's almost like she's been dominating in two different generations. I know only three years apart. It's it's in a weird sort of way. Um, Lori St. George and her Quebec team have been a bit of a surprise at five and two. Um I would think that's a surprise. We don't often hear about Quebec near the top. Have they been the biggest surprise for you at the tournament so far? To be quite honest, uh, no. Um, because, uh, you know, I've got to see Lori St. George come up through junior. Um, she made a uh, Canadian National Junior final. Um, has that spark, has that fire, Can is fearless. She makes, she is a skip I would not want to have to come up against uh, just simply because I don't know if you, you watched the game last night, but the feature was Quebec and BC. The mm-hmm. shot making was amazing. I'm telling you, Clancy Grandy, the host province, and, and Laurie St. George made some outstanding shots. And it was, it was, it was great curling. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it's, uh, it, she's a special skip and she's got a lot of talent. And I think it's the attitude. Uh, she goes out there. She's having fun. You can tell she's a competitor. She's got a great spirit out there. Um, she's playing with Sherry and Wayne Madaw's daughter, so it was really weird to see Wayne Madaw in a Quebec jacket. It's been very <laughs> weird to see Glenn Howard in a Manitoba jacket coaching Jennifer Jones. So, no, it's uh, I'm not surprised because um, they have a wonderful chance, um, uh, obviously, to, to qualify uh, and make the top three in their pool tonight. And, no, I'm not surprised because uh, I'm expecting big things out of this young woman. She's, she's got the tool, man. She's got the tools to do it. It's kind of exciting to see names that some of us maybe aren't as familiar with because it shows that there are younger teams that are rising up. And you've also got the fact that um, uh, Carrie Anderson might be the first skip to win four straight. And you mentioned the the Colleen Jones factor. Does it feel like we're in a golden age of women's curling? I just think, and I I just listen to people smarter than me, and that's Joanne Courtney and Kathy Goche. (laughs) And I think that was one of Kathy's comments is that the curling – Women's curling right now in Canada is in a really good spot. Um, you know, uh, there, there, to me, a couple stories stick out. Um, you have Jennifer Jones, who has been so dominant and so brilliant. Colleen Jones in that same conversation called Jennifer the goat. Uh, and just so much respect for Jennifer and how she's had that DNA in her. Uh, and and I, I don't think you can teach that what Jennifer has. She's just got that desire to and that fire to win and to want that shot, to want to be in the hack to want to be able to take on the top teams. It's hard to teach that. And I think Jennifer just has that God-given, you know, uh, ability. But doing it with, with you know, Mackenzie Zacharias and, and this young team at a junior, that was great. So she's bringing along, and they do that rotation team, obviously. Carly Burgess, so much success. She, the only curler ever um, to win three Canadian juniors, three world titles in juniors. So bringing this young team along, they're soaking it all up with Jennifer um, that's been great. The Alberta team, Kayla Skirlick, rookie skip, comes in, lost the first two. You wondered, ah, oh, maybe some nerves, whatever. And my goodness, they gave Kerry Anderson a real good run today. Uh, Skirlick is still very much alive as well. So uh, really neat to see, you know, different storylines. Joanne Rizzo, my goodness, she was a highlight-making machine all week for Northwest Territories. Um, that's what I love about this event because every year and every competition, um, you just don't know who's going to, you know, take that opportunity and that pressure and turn it into some must-see TV. And it's been really fun.
I, I feel like we're watching some dynasty teams, some new teams, some teams like uh, Krista McCarville, uh, Northern Ontario, maybe a bit of a favorite of uh, me and my wife when we're watching just because she's been hanging around, hanging around, just can't quite get over the hump. And uh, what the heck, if Saskatchewan's out of the mix, uh, we can cheer for whoever <laughs> at this point. Um, th- th- this has been fun. Thanks so much for doing this, Brian. I appreciate this. And thank you for all the work you do on TSN covering curling and, of course, the CFL and everything else. And uh, enjoy enjoy your weekend ahead. Uh, hopefully you get a bit of a break in after all the travel and, and the work calling the curling. Uh, breaks for summertime. I love it. <laughs> Continue to roll. I love it. It'll be fun. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. That is Brian Mudrick from TSN joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, another draw going tonight. And um, sorry, I'm just double checking the time here. Uh, that draw will start at, just hold on a second. I think it's 630 yeah, that sounds good. Six thirty. Yeah, so we'll go with that. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I was way off. Eight thirty. Yeah, Samsonite. I was way off. Uh, BC <laughs> will play Alberta, and Carrie uh, Anderson will go for the win against Slippy, Nunavut. Slippy, sloppy, ah, uh, Samsonite. And if she if she can beat Nunavut, she will have a perfect record. The only perfect record in this year's Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Okay, time to break. We'll be back with more when we come back. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, six twenty CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleising are filling in for Michael Ball for at least one more day here on the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Still ahead here in Hour 1, we will go to Pittsburgh and hear from Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. Evidently, they're not being told to do broadcasts off a monitor. And before the night is out, we will hear from John Paddock, the head coach and VP of Hockey Operations for your Regina Pats, who pulled off a very exciting victory over the Medicine Hat Tigers last night. We'll talk to him about that, Connor Bernard, and maybe a few other things as well. You can chime in on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line, 306-936-6262. Call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. And the handle for Sports Cage, follow us at Sports Cage, is the Twitter handle uh, to join in on the conversation here on CKRM and also find the link for this program on demand. Zinger, I know you're not um, a huge curling guy, but do you ever have occasion when Casper's gone to bed and Mr. and Mrs. Kleisinger are sitting around the TV to stumble upon TSN to see the late draw from time to time? Oh, no, no. Just just don't watch it at all. Just yeah, haven't got I, into I re- it. I, I, I can tell it. that you are not. You are under forty. When you you know what th- this guy told me one time outside of the um, Kipling Rec Center, we were hosting the provincial. I think it was just the high school championships, and we're standing outside, and he's having a smoke, and I was smoking, completely underage, totally inappropriate. You're cool, man. And and he comes over, and we're talking about. It. I said, you know, I'm not really into the sport, and he said, well, there'll come a day when you can't skate and you can't throw and you can't fight, and you're going to learn the strategy of the sport, and you're going to love curling. Well, I could never do any of those things, even at that age. But he's right. The more you learn about curling, the more interesting it becomes. It's kind of like baseball that way. If you know absolutely nothing about it and you're a casual fan, you might enjoy showing up at the park once in a while. But for the most part, it's a bunch of guys just standing around, 
throwing the ball, hitting the ball, and you don't know all the strategy that goes into it. Same thing with football. That's why football's that's been so the, that's hard. That's the thing, though. Like, I know, I know the strategy. I know how the game works. Like, I know, like, I've watched it lots before. It's just not my cup of tea. It's it, it's the equivalent to a cold cup of tea sitting on the counter. And if I've got mm. a hot one beside it, I'm drinking the hot one, baby. Come on. And the hot one's the football. The hot one's the football, baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, cricket. Uh, I know. Just kidding with the cricket. Rugby, though. I like watching National Rugby League from Australia on Sportsnet World. That's pretty cool sometimes. I'm well versed in the sports world, man. I know my, I, I know, I know curling. I just, I, I got uh, some other things to do, especially nowadays. You know, what, what, all the best to them, though. What, what, what about the uh, the XFL? You've been watching that? Uh, so on the weekend, I think I probably watched all together in real time, maybe 25 minutes of XFL football. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, That's all I could muster up, man. I think I watched a bit more of it, but I was trying to watch, but I had other things to do. So I was kind of tuning in and out, and I saw the last half of the fourth quarter of the DC Defenders versus Seattle Sea Dragons and the game that Paxton Lynch played in. Um, I was going to ask Coach Dickinson on the program when I saw Paxton Lynch, did he say anything in your exit conversations that would shut the door from him ever returning to Canada? Because, you know, he was on the Riders roster. He was, um, was he ever the number two? I don't think so. I think he was number two, wasn't he? And then they, they, I know what it was. They deactivated him because he wasn't vaccinated. So they couldn't take him. He couldn't play in the playoffs. So they decided to take Mason Fine instead. I guess he was the number three behind Isaac Bottom line is he was not given an opportunity. He wasn't given an opportunity. But but to be fair, he didn't look very good in that XFL game. And there's nothing that we saw out of Paxton Lynch in his practices in Regina or his play in the USFL last year or the XFL the other night that made me think that the CFL wants him back. We're so going to be talking about those XFL first. ratings, by the way, later on with Glenn Suter, because apparently they're like not even half as good as what they were in 2020 before the pandemic hit. Like, usually week one is the biggest week for numbers, for ratings wise. <laughs> not the case. Like, there was like a 720,000 burger when it comes to viewers for one game on ESPN yet. Like, that is. Uh, if Come you, on, man. If you, if you put a CFL game on that network with that kind of hype around it, pretty good chance you would get more viewers than that. Oh, yeah. And and they still don't want to put CFL games on the network. Well, so hopefully. I mean, new broadcast deal is looming. Hopefully something like yeah. that happens. We'll see. Time to break. Coming up, Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. 3.32 inside the sports cage. Time for your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Busy night in the National Hockey League. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers are in Pittsburgh to take on Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Vancouver is in St. Louis. The Calgary Flames are in Sin City to tangle with the Vegas Golden Knights. Our friend Peter Labardius will be saved of the sin as he will not be in Vegas calling the game. He will be in downtown Calgary doing so. Anaheim is in Washington. Tampa hosts Buffalo. The third place New Jersey Devils are home to the Los Angeles Kings. The lonely last place Columbus Blue Jackets will try to give their fans something to cheer about. Just something. At home versus Minnesota, Rangers are in Detroit. The juggernaut Bruins on the West Coast in Seattle. And it's a must win for the Predators if they want any type of shot at that last wild card. They are home to San Jose.
All right, here with Tish Duffy. Train with Tish. You can check her out on Twitter. I follow her there and on Instagram. She's a great follow with some workout tips. What are? Give me a couple of unrealistic uh, kind of resolutions people have at the gym. People, I think, um, do exactly have that unrealistic expectation of what they can accomplish in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, you know, and I think that that's the biggest problem is um, the first thing people need to do is set uh, a schedule or meet with a coach and set some realistic goals because those unrealistic things that people don't accomplish and can't accomplish in a certain amount of time that they think is what leads them to quit in those six weeks. So I would say people, you know, assume that after a couple of weeks of being consistent, maybe improving their diet, they're going to feel and look uh, like they've lost, you know, they, they feel like they're going to be losing that extra 15 pounds they've been carrying around for three or four years. Um, they also think that the energy is going to be coming back instantaneously. And unfortunately, that just doesn't happen. It takes a lot of time. Um, and the good news is, though, that there's, if you do give people some realistic goals and you do set a time frame, et cetera, that those things can be pretty, you can be pretty consistent and accomplish some things pretty quickly if you're patient. But the unrealistic expectations that people are going to change their bodies within a couple of weeks of being consistent and the, the things, I mean, I, I think I should probably also start by saying that realistically, some of the realistic expectations is you are going to feel those extrinsic things a lot quicker, right? So you're, you are going to probably sleep better. You're going to be more patient at home. You're going to have more energy. But those things still do take some time. Okay, so give me one realistic thing to keep people on track. We talk about kind of the six-week window where they're feeling good, like, okay, I see a difference. I'm going to keep going. I guess people need to understand that the first thing that they're going to expect to see and feel is increased patient energy and better sleep. So those things do happen pretty quickly. Um, as long as they're showing you know, some consistency, you know, getting to the gym. And the great thing is you don't even have to go to the gym every day. If you're consistent three times a week, um, followed by, and I just find a lot of this stuff just ha- happens organically. You make the effort to get up, go to the gym, then all of a sudden organically you're starting to eat better as well. So once the nutrition also improves, your energy instantly improves. So a lot of this has to do with nutrition as well, but I find that they coincide together. Once you make an effort to be consciously, um, you know, making a conscious effort to get into the gym, all the other smaller habits start coming into play organically. And so that energy, um, you know, a better mindset, better sleep, right? Without that sleep, People just, especially when people get older, you know, I'm almost 50, um, sleep is is one of the most important things. If you're not getting sleep due to being unhealthy, um, you're really not going to feel great. So improved sleep, um, more patience with children, with staff, employees, etc. All that stuff you'll, you'll feel and see almost instantly. It's the physical changes that take time. This is Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish. Check her out on Twitter by that handle and also at Instagram, Facebook, too. Thank you for your time, Tish. My pleasure. Thank you. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and John Kleisinger with you here on the Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. Still ahead in hour one, we'll hear from Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network and also press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. 
Well, one story that uh, jumped out in my mind was I was driving in and I was thinking about different topics to discuss today. Uh, I remember back when the Russians attacked Ukraine, uh, there was some debate over how do we treat these Russian athletes? And right away, um, the decision was made to keep them out of the Paralympics. And um, it was decided before long that they wouldn't participate in the world juniors and it just seemed like international body after international body kicked them out which i i happen to think was the right decision um but then the debate started to swirl about should we maybe send some of these russian players home and i thought that was a knee-jerk reaction um i thought a lot of the heat and the criticism that alexander ovechkin took was unwarranted because it was putting him in a very difficult position even after he made his wishy-washy comments these guys aren't wired for this these guys are wired for sport and not all this other stuff but it seems like there's more and more um of a push to sanction alexander ovechkin for lack of a better term uh for having photos of him and vladimir putin up on his instagram and I can see how on one hand, we either have free speech or we don't. And we have to remember there could be repercussions for Alex back home in Russia if he were to in any way slight the leader of uh, his home country. But then on the other hand, if he had this stuff up on his Instagram of someone deplorable as, say, I don't know, Adolf Hitler or anybody else um, who's committed some pretty bad acts... I don't think we would just let that go scot-free either. It's kind of a fascinating topic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's one that, for myself, obviously, and for everyone else, probably, it's tough to relate because we're actually not in Alex Ovechkin's shoes. And just the one part that really comes to mind, and you already mentioned it, is if he were to delete all these pictures and uh, you know totally, quote-unquote, cut ties with Putin, I mean... You got to think that might do more harm than good when it comes to Alex Ovechkin and, and his family. That That's a, a great possibility. So obviously I'm not going to sit here and agree that he should have pictures up there of, of Putin because that's just ridiculous, right? Like obviously if, you know, if it's me, I'm deleting them. But since I'm not in Alex Ovechkin's shoes, it's tough to really uh, have a say in it. But the bottom line is nobody really knows what it's like unless you're in that position because the number one thing keeps coming to mind, like what would be the repercussions if you were to, you know, get rid of these posts and stuff. It's just a very sticky and touchy subject and one that I kind of like to stay away from because I'm not, uh, you know. Wired for that. Wired for yeah, it. Yeah. But uh, it's a tough one. Yeah. And, uh, and it's Delete easy. the pictures, though, with that all said and done. <laughs> or, or, or maybe just conveniently say publicly, well, I like to transition my profile photo on Instagram. I like to do a rotation. Maybe we'll do this now and yeah. move it to somebody else. But yeah, no, it's it's easy to throw stones when the rest of us are living in glass houses and we've never had to uh, walk a mile in his shoes. And mm -hmm. uh, we haven't heard him say anything supportive of the Russian leader. So I guess that's... Um, that's a small win on that front, but complicated world we're living in, Zinger, with all this global warming and pandemics. Like for a bit there, he had his profile picture on Instagram with him and Putin standing beside each other. I think I think it's still like and, that. And and that's it, like that is kind of like 
you know, maybe get off the path a bit to make it not so obvious. You know, like the profile picture, really? It's something It's something else to click into somebody's profile and scroll through their pictures and see pictures like three, four years ago, whatever. It's another thing to be just be broadcasting it as a profile picture. Still have it up but there. But that yeah. also just comes back to my original point of if he changes that profile picture, do people... Uh, out east overseas in Russia take notice of that in the KGB is what you're talking about so it's just it's craziness man that's Zinger's thoughts on it that's his Zinger news that's as deep as Zinger's gonna dive into politics Uh, still ahead on this edition of the program we will hear from John Paddock the head coach and VP of hockey operations for the Regina Pats and I'm looking forward to that conversation to find out what's it like trying to Coach a superstar, great problem, not great problem, but um, um, very lucky luxury to have, uh, but trying to figure out how to maximize his abilities and rely on the pieces around him, I think is uh, probably easier said than done. Still ahead, after the break, we will hear from Bob Stoffer, who is on the Edmonton Oilers broadcast radio network. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Thursday edition of the Sports Cage, Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball for one more day. And still ahead in hour three, we will hear from Andy Mack, our gambling expert from down east. We'll kick around some of the odds of Stanley Cup winners. Uh, You won't want to miss that. Still ahead on this edition of the Sports Cage. Right now, we go out on to the Western Pizza Hotline to the great city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we are joined by Edmonton Oilers radio analyst Bob Stoffer. Bob, we had Peter Lubardius on, uh, well, we have them on every week, just like we do with you, and uh, I was unaware until our visit last week uh, with Lou that the Flames broadcast crew is doing all the road games from a studio in uh, Calgary, and uh, I'm glad to hear that they haven't done that with your radio crew. Suffice to say, I assume that you're happy uh, that 630 Chad hasn't gone the same way as some of these other broadcast outlets. Oh, 100%, Brendan, and you know, it's interesting, uh I, have you ever been to Pittsburgh, by the way? I have not, but it's on my bucket list. I've been to Erie, Pennsylvania, but never quite to Pittsburgh. You, you've been to Erie. Did you go in and go see, uh, when, what year were you in Erie? 05, 06, I broadcast for the Windsor Spitfires, so we would do the drive around Lake really? Erie and do games in uh, Erie, PA. It was, uh, it was a cool thing for a kid from Saskatchewan to do, but I never quite made it to Pittsburgh, regrettably. Well, Pittsburgh is, uh, I would suggest to you, is an, an underrated gem in the National Hockey League Tour. Uh, it, it, you know, there was a time in the late 70s, but maybe it wasn't the, you know, it was a steel town and there, they had some issues, but they've completely, uh, they've got great sports facilities here, obviously, a relatively new uh, hockey arena. They've got, you know, the football stadium. They've got a great baseball park. Um, today it was 22 degrees Celsius in Pittsburgh, which is unseasonably warm. Uh, they love sports, and uh, but it is, it's got a bit of a gothic feel to it with the amount of brick, and it's, it's really quite a, quite a majestic city. You, you come out of the tunnel as you enter the city overlooking the rivers, and it is a spectacular view. So there are places that we go to on the road that aren't uh, maybe the sexiest names on the tour, and then there's a city like this that is, uh, you know, I think for a lot of us, we've come to really appreciate it and i've had my i'll tie it back to erie um 
my one of my brushes with greatness occurred at our hotel, FEMA Hotel here during the 14-15 season. I was sitting next to Adam Levine. Uh, you know who he is? The singer? The guy oh, that's on yeah, the voice? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a general idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's in Maroon 5 or whatever. And I, I just... You know, I was just said, and we didn't. We struck up a conversation. I told him, "Look, I'm a traveling broadcaster with a visiting team." And these two dudes came up to me, and they're like, "Stop! What's going on?" And I'm kind of looking at them, I'm like, "What the heck?" And they had done an Iron Belt road trip where they'd rented a car, um, and they, we'd played Detroit and Columbus in earlier games on the road trip that year. And then they'd driven in. Uh, we played in Columbus on a Monday night. We we're going to play the Penguins on a Thursday night, and this was in fourteen fifteen. And so this was on a Tuesday night, and McDavid and Dylan Strome were playing in Erie at that mm. time on the Wednesday. And Chris Knobloch, who's from Imperial, Saskatchewan, yeah. I don't know if you know this, Brendan, but we had uh, we were assisting Sherry Boston with the Erie Otters at that time financially. And so it was no accident that Chris Knobloch ended up, uh, you know, going from Scutney to Erie to go coach. And so I called Chris and two guys that I'd met less than an hour earlier. Uh, were driving me the next day into Erie, Pennsylvania from Pittsburgh to go watch Connor McDavid play. So maybe it was a little bit of destiny that all things ended up working out. That's a cool story, and a lot of people don't know, and I didn't know this uh, even from the one year that I worked in the Ontario Hockey League. I dealt with Sherry Basson on many occasions, and it wasn't until I read after he hired Chris Knobloch that they sat down together, and um, uh, Sherry said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Imperial, Saskatchewan, and Sherry said, I'm from Siemens, and I don't think anybody knew that Sherry Basson yeah. had any connection to Saskatchewan whatsoever. So, Well, ju- your listeners are smart, and they know the history of junior hockey, and there was a time where Sherry Basson used to do the color of the world junior in fact, in the eighties, uh, the punch up in Piestani, yeah, punch, the, yeah, the pump up, uh, punch up in Piestani. So, uh, you know, he was uh, he 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 grinded for everything that he got, and in the end, he flipped uh, Erie and you know pr- profited nicely off of it. And uh, Knobloch ended up becoming the only head coach in major junior history of four straight fifty plus win seasons. It's never been done before, and it's highly unlikely <laughs> he won fifty games two years in a row after Connor McDavid left. But somehow, I think. So you didn't have me to come on the show today to talk about Chris Knobloch and the Erie Otters. But no, we love we love talking Erie about Chris Knobloch and Sherry Basson and the Erie Otters. There's lots of hey, anything we can tie back to the Prairies, we're game for Bob. There we go. Um, but but there I, go. I but but do you not think that even just being on location, the fact that you can tell that story, and it's easy for you and I to be able to say as broadcasters that oh yeah, we've got to be on the road because we're the ones who get to do the traveling, we're the ones who get to expense the hotel rooms and the meals and everything else. But but that said, I think it adds some mojo to the broadcast when when you have that setting that you can um, or that scene that you can set when you're on the air. Does it not? Well, each radio cluster has to make their own decision. Now, in, in our situation, Cam Luna, myself, and Jack Michaels, uh, we work for the Orders Entertainment Group, and you know the Orders uh, receive a rights fee for not just our radio broadcast, but also my show Orders Now, which is hosted every day noon to two. And it's way better if we're on the road with the team because you're living in the air and now as a result. So I'm quite pleased that they've elected to continue to go down that path. We did in uh, 2021 in the, you know, that Scotiabank North Division that they had going on in the NHL. We did the games off the of TV for that year and it sucked. I'll be honest with you. It just is not the same. Uh, it provides you, you know, Cam and me traveled all last season long and TV traveled about half the year. And we, like, I'll be honest with you, it, it, it 
just in terms of watching Connor McDavid, in terms of how he dealt with things off the ice, and maybe how he sort of grew a little bit. And uh, you know, my, you know this from traveling. It's six degrees of separation. When you're part of a traveling entourage, they see you a little bit differently because you're around more. They get to know you, and uh, it just makes for a way better working relationship, and frankly, way more positive experience overall. A lot more exciting vibe for sure. Uh, you just got home from an Eastern road trip last week. You were in Pennsylvania doing an Oilers-Flyers game just two weeks ago tonight. And uh, yesterday you had to fly down to Pittsburgh. Now, um, it's funny that I would complain about travel after I just complained about organizations that aren't having their broadcasters travel. Um, but that said, uh, do you and your friends on the radio crew or even within the Oilers joke about the, quote, morons who make the schedule? No, we don't because we travel on a first-class charter. And uh, the NHL stands for the Never Hunt Literary League. I'll be honest with you, Brendan. There is uh, probably 30,000 people in the province of Saskatchewan right now that would block slap shots in the nude to do what I do. I mean, they would love that opportunity. I never lose sight of that, how lucky we are. Like, I mean that. Even in, you know, I'm in year 15 of doing color on the Oilers. Um, during the tough times, and people talk about the decade of darkness in Edmonton, but the reality was, in the early 2010s, we had two stretches where the team only won one out of 21 games. Mm-hmm. Those were tough times, and I had to go back on the air and do a show coming off of a, you know, the players would joke with me. They'd be like, oh, man, that's got to be harsh. Like, we just dropped five straight games on the road. you got to go back get it. We have an off day tomorrow, and you're on the air at noon. You're getting in at 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, beats the hell out of a poor guy that's, you know, grinding it out on the farm or working at a potash mm-hmm. uh, location or working up north in the oil patch. Those guys do real work. I work in the toy department of life. I'm lucky to do it. That's a great attitude, and we have to remember that. That was very well put. Um, Oilers, only three points back of the top spot in the Western Conference, and yeah. uh, I read on yeah. one blog, for whatever it's worth, that uh, there's chatter about the Oilers making a pitch in the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. I have to confess, I don't uh, follow the NHL as closely as I once did, um, but is that uh, emerging as a real possibility at this point, that maybe we could see I both Canes in Edmonton? I think as opposed to past years, more so than ever this year, that there's I think everybody that cares about the team would like to see the team make an impactful move. I think that's the reality of the situation. Patrick Kane's ultimately going to, he's got a complete no movement clause. He's going to decide which teams get a seat at the table for his services. You know, like if the Rangers get in the mix, I can see that happening. I know Vegas is going to try because they're in on every high profile player there is. They made a little move yesterday in terms of the, moving Shea Weber's LTIR money to the Arizona Coyotes to take it back former Edmonton Oil King Dyson Mayo who won a Memorial Cup in 2014 with uh, the goalie we're going to see tonight, Tristan Jury. Uh, but they did that for tagging purposes in the offseason so they wouldn't go too far over the cap LTIR-wise and that would free them up to perhaps do a, a, a trade and sign. So, um, you know what? Teams, these, there's, there's 17 teams in LTIR right now uh, there's going to be creative mechanisms deployed to find ways to improve your roster. And I would suggest it's my expectation that the Oilers organization will be exhaustive in trying to find a way to add a couple better players. Our guest is Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza.
And I was just going to ask you one more question about the Patrick Kane thing. Uh, the fact that Vegas is in on every high-profile star, as you mentioned, and that will be a surprise to nobody, um, does that maybe add to the urgency for a team like the Oilers, who just so happen to be chasing Vegas and has a window to do so, to get Patrick Kane to not only bolster their opportunity, but also keep the Knights from getting him too? Sure. I mean, that's... I mean, the reality of the situation with Vegas is they were ahead of Edmonton last year at this time, too. And the Oilers tend to be a, a second-half team. Uh, Vegas has got a, you know some issues in goal right now. Logan Thompson, uh, you know, who's a WHL goaltender, played out with a Brandon Weekend for Kelly McCrimmon. He's out right now. So, um, absolutely, part of it is acquisition, and the other part of it is uh, finding a way to beat somebody else to the punch. Again, it, this is... This is a competitive business. Uh, yes, it's supposed to be done in gentlemanly fashion, but I would suggest to you there might be a degree of ruthlessness, a degree of ruthlessness at times. Well, I would expect that we would see that certainly at the NHL level. Tonight, the Oilers and the Penguins at uh, 5 p.m. Uh, local Saskatchewan time. And uh, I know the game is available for viewing on Sportsnet on TV or listen online at 6.30. Chad. Bob Stoffer, great job. Have a great broadcast tonight. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care. That is Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. News is next. And after that, we will hear from Arash Madani on this edition of Coast to Coast. You are listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. And Coast to Coast with Arash Madani is for smart investing solutions. Don't guess with your money this RRSP season. Call Brian Gawley at Smart Investing Solutions at 546-2533. Arash, where are you? Are you in Dunedin yet? I am home. I am headed to Arizona next week. I'm on World Baseball Classic duty for the next Oh, bit, that's so. right. Zinger was telling me about that. That's... Your producer and I will be breaking bread while having nachos <laughs> one day for lunch uh, before yeah. Canada-USA next month. That's a pretty jazzy thing, isn't it? Like the WBC only comes around every four years and not a lot of people are lucky enough to be in locales where there's games happening when uh, when it goes on in uh in March. First one since yeah, 2017, man. Well, I guess so, yeah. yeah. So Long time ago. Ex- and the players care. Like Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers, will not be able to play because he's had a series of elbow, shoulder, back, head, shoulders, knees, toes, issues over the last few years. And he's on a one-year $20 million contract. He can't get insured by anybody. And he tried everything possible because he wants to play for Team USA. And it's the last chance he'll ever have in his career to do it. But kind of like when hockey players go to the Olympics or whatever, you know, teams have to take out insurance. Uh, no insurance company is willing to take on, but the players want to be a part of this. Freddie Freeman's going to play for Canada. Cal Quantrill can't wait to be the ace of the staff. So it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, the only issue with, uh, or the only way to really eliminate those insurance concerns, I guess, is to quit paying these guys so much money, and that's never going to happen. So right. uh, that's that's been an issue. I remember that, that goes back decades, even with Steve Nash um, not not playing for Team Canada in one of the international tournaments. Well, enough of that racket. Well, 2018 we, Pyeongchang Olympics, the reason the NHLers didn't go is because they couldn't get a 
deal in place on who who's going to pay the insurance for that one mm, to insure everybody's contract. Yeah, no, for sure. Sometimes it's the behind the scenes stuff that we don't even know about. Um, right. But uh, we want to talk a little football with you today. Of course, uh, the big news from yesterday, McLeod Bethel-Thompson headed to the United States Football League and uh, used to be called the Spring League. The Argos, of course, won that Grey Cup. Um, he deserves a lot more credit than I think he even gives himself. I know we were on the field talking to him after the game, and he said he wasn't sure if he was ever going to go up on the stage or touch the trophy. Um you know, it looks like the Argos are now going to have to hitch their wagon to Chad Kelly. There just aren't any better options out there. Is he ready to be a franchise quarterback, especially when you think about the uh, maturity issues that crept up when he was in the National Football League? I, I don't view the maturity issues at all as a, as a factor here. What's different? It's one thing being a quarterback on a pro roster. It's another thing being a backup quarterback on a pro roster or a short yardage quarterback or a fill-in option like, like Kelly was in the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup. But, Brendan, as you know, being a franchise quarterback, being the face of the franchise, having to stand up there a number of times a week after losses, when things go wrong, when something that's out of your control and not your fault and you're the one who's being asked the questions and you have to, you're the one that everybody looks to for leadership and the rest, that's an entirely different dynamic. And I think in a, in a stats and analytics world, in a fantasy football world, we get so caught up in pass attempts, completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, the rest. We forget that the entire heartbeat of a locker room often starts and ends with the quarterback. Like, nobody says, well, he's our franchise pass rusher or our franchise receiver. It's franchise quarterback, and and there's an obligation, a responsibility that comes with all of that, and we're going to find out if Chad Kelly is it or not. So some of us self-proclaimed football purists kind of hate or, or resent the fact that year after year, it's always the quarterback who wins the MOP or MVP award and that players at other positions get passed by. But but you're right. That's just the nature of the position. Uh, the, the team um, has or loses its mojo as its quarterback goes. Um, we we uh, have heard from Coach Dinwiddie who has suggested that Chad Kelly could help move the needle in that marketplace because he happens to be Jim Kelly's nephew. That's not right. going to help sell the Canadian Football League in Toronto in any way, shape, or form. You live there, am I right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. If Jim was going to be if they're going to bring Jim to a game, maybe that would draw a few tickets, but Chad having the same last name isn't going to do it. Same last name and number isn't quite enough to do it. The uh, the quarterback carousel seems to be set. Cody Fajardo's in Montreal. Um, two guys in Ottawa. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell went to Hamilton. And, of course, we have Trevor Harris here in Regina. Where does this leave Dane Evans? We're hearing speculation about the Argos, but he's still under contract to the Ticats. That's a little bit complicated, isn't it? Well, it's complicated because of the contract. Let's remember, Evan signed a two-year deal last year when he was signed to be the franchise quarterback. And obviously, he's not anymore. Bo's there. So, Dane remains under contract, but a contract where the first digit next year starts with a four. So, the Ticats still have him, and Dane Evans is of value um, because... 
I mean, you know, you can have all the starting quarterbacks in the world that you want, Brendan, but over the last how many years, how many different backup quarterbacks have figured in large? I mean, look at Montreal last season, look at Ottawa last season, mm-hmm. look at Hamilton last season. BC. BC, on and on we can go. Calgary, uh, when they made the when they made the move. So Dane Evans has value because Dane Evans is a competent backup quarterback. The question is at what number? And, you know, Hamilton's going to want to get something for him. He is, you know, he is an asset. But no team is going to pay Dane Evans 400 Gs to be the backup next year. At the same time, Dane has a little bit of leverage for wherever he ends up. Let's say Hamilton, let's say Toronto makes the trade with Hamilton for a mid-round draft pick, late-round draft pick, something like that, or a negless player or something like that. Well, Dane goes to Toronto. It's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'll restructure my deal, but I want a bunch of this up front. I want a bunch of it in a signing bonus. And so that's where this is about to get interesting because Dane Evans has value, not starting quarterback value, but he has leverage. And as anybody in any business transaction will tell you, sport, corporate, otherwise, where you succeed, you know, uh, where you succeed in compensation is when you have leverage, and Dane, Dane Evans has some of that. And how often do CFL players really have that much leverage? So when you get that opportunity, you have to use yeah. it. And I guess with not just that, how many backups right have leverage? Right, and and I guess the Argos uh, have the ability, and and it's such a perfect fit because uh, they have the, their other quarterback is still making entry level dollars. So even right. if it's starting quarterback money or close to, um, they can justify it for one Dane Evans. Um, Zinger's favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, emerged from his darkness retreat today and his uh, hiatus after the season and getaway. And uh, it's the strangest contract, base salary of $1.2 million. He's owed cash of $59.5 million this year, even by NFL standards. And he has a no-trade clause. Say that again, Brendan. Say that again. $59.5 cash owed. For one year. And uh, and he has a no trade clause. He holds all the cards in this equation in terms of what happens next, doesn't he? If uh, they renegotiate, trade him, or just have to eat his salary. And I really believe when you think about this whole equation that Green Bay has to, has to hope with all of their might that Aaron Rodgers will accept a trade out of there. You have to believe that organization wants to move on from him, wants to move on from the contract, wants to move on from him, not just because he's been in a darkness retreat, but he just had statistically had the worst season of his career by far. They missed the playoffs. He's owed the money you talked about. And it almost feels like it's lost in the conversation because Rodgers is so polarizing. Let's remember they... Zinger, what did they do? They didn't trade up in the first round to go draft a quarterback three years ago, did they? Oh, yeah, baby. Jordan Love. The, the, <laughs> the Jordan Love equation weighs large here. And remember when Rodgers took over as the franchise quarterback in that state in which we do not name as Vikings fans? <laughs> well, Rodgers, Rodgers took over from Favre after three years of riding the bench. Right. Here's Jordan Love after three years on the bench when he's under team control for only five years, 
at some point, Green Bay wants to see what they have. Well, and and uh, three years in today's world, you know, when when I was a boy and uh, the world was right, the quarterbacks sat on the bench for a minimum of two years, sometimes longer. But in today's world, three years as a stud backup quarterback who's on the rise—that's an eternity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you got to find out what you have because you have to start making decisions on: Are we going to invest forty, forty-five million dollars into? into this quarterback. I mean, look, Daniel Jones, the, the Giants decided after year three, we're not going to give Daniel Jones, we're not going to pick up his fifth-year option. Okay, that's your decision. New coach comes in, Daniel Jones sets the world on fire, and so Jones is now saying, all right, give me the bag. I want $45 million. Daniel Jones bet on himself, and you're saying to yourself, well, how the, how the, Heck is Daniel Jones worth forty five million bucks? Well I'll tell you why. Because if Jones has a decent year next year, not even a great year, just a decent year, guess what the Giants have to do? Franchise tag him. Mm-hmm. And well, then they can franchise have the tag him again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's gonna be that money, if not more, with no he won't be locked up long term. So the quarterback economics, as crazy as they sound, to give Daniel Jones $45 million, let's remember, it's $14 million less than Rodgers is owed next year, and Daniel Jones won a playoff game this year, whereas Rodgers and the Packers didn't even get to the playoffs. And the Packers might be ready to move on from Rodgers because if you miss the playoffs, now you're at a point where you've got the circus and not the parade. And uh, if you don't have the parade, do you really want the circus? Zinger, go ahead. You no, I was one. just going to make a comment about, you know, like the Packers, they're in a, a rush. They're in a situation like Jordan Love, he, his fifth-year option's coming up here, and the Packers, they have until like May or whatever to exercise that or not. So like, if Rodgers comes back this year, there's no way in hell that the Packers are going to exercise that option because if Jordan Love is the Packers starter next year, like what organization is going to be paying him $20 million to be a starting quarterback when he's never started before in his life, right? So it's like yeah. they're in a position now where it's like, I don't know. I don't know what to think. All we know is that Aaron Rodgers is out of the darkness. You know, like Brennan McGuire. Wait, wait, hold on, Zinger. Yeah. Let's, let's now play the scenario game. Okay, let's right? do this. Because that's what sports is. Yeah. Let's say Rodgers comes back to the, you know. Green Bay Packers. Come on, say it, Arash. <laughs> New York Jets. No, but, but halfway through the season, two-thirds of the way through the season, Rodgers gets hurt and is out for the year, and Jordan Love comes in and lights it up. Oh. Then what? Wow. Then what do you do on a sample size of six or seven games over the course of four years? I don't know. Mm. I don't right? know if that's enough. Right. Like we see, we saw Carson Wentz; he was good for one almost full year, yeah. and then <laughs> you just never know, right? So I don't you know. Just ne- look, and you can have all the plans in the world you want, and then all of a sudden, Trey Lance goes down early in the season. And then you're like, okay, well, at least we have Jimmy Garoppolo there in San Francisco. And then he gets hurt. Who had Brock Purdy in the pool as the last pick taken in the seventh round as a rookie taking San Fran to the NFC Championship game? And then if you're San Fran, suddenly you say to yourself, wait a minute, we don't have to pay Jimmy next year. Lance is under contract 
for another couple of years. Next year, we're going to invest a total of $9 million into the quarterback position, and Brock Purdy hasn't lost a game. And now Brock Purdy had surgery today, and who knows when he comes back and how he comes back and at what level he comes back. It's like it's like predicting the weather or a rash, and there you uh, go. it changes. Uh, this has been great. Thanks, as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks, okay. Man. That yeah. is Coast to Coast with Rash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Don't guess with your money this RRSP season. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions at 546-2533. We'll take a quick time out and be back with more of the Thursday edition of the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger are filling in for Michael Ball on this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. Coming up in Hour 3, we will hear from the head cheese over at the Regina Pats, John Paddock. And uh, Zinger, I thought that was a really good selection you made, Tanner Howe, for player of the game. And some sitting in their car might be saying, what do you mean? Connor Bedard had five points. How can you give somebody else player of the game? But you have to do that because Connor Bedard has to rely on some of the other players for his success and vice versa. And whenever I'm trying to think of a name that probably doesn't get enough cheddar, for lack of a better Tanner term. Tanner Howe. Is Tanner Howe jump, jumps into my mind. I feel like he would be a household name on any other team. I was thinking the exact the same thing on, the, on the yeah. way into the office today. I was like, okay, well, yeah, like, okay, on paper, you know, Connor Bedard is the clutch performer, obviously. He's the clutch performer every night, but like Tanner Howe, he was making big hits last night. He was uh, sniping goals. He had some assists. I mean, that we heard it there, the call from Dante to carry at the start of the third period. That was some type of goal. You literally could hear it there. I mean, the puck, the puck drops to start the third. Like five to ten seconds later, Tanner Howe just right down the middle. Pots one in, second goal tonight, 6-3 went pats. Tanner Howe is the clutch performer for Nick's service. Little more uh, mojo on the radio when the joint is jumping like that, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it wasn't there? quite. Like, it wasn't quite sold out yesterday, but still a lot of peeps. Pretty in, in close the crowd. by the yeah. sounds of yeah. it. Yeah. It was and, it was uh, a good crowd. You it was can, healthy crowd. You can feel that vibe, and uh, thank God um, the network hasn't decided to have Dante DiCaria do games off a monitor when they're on the road. Oh. <laughs> God help us all if uh, if that ever comes to be. Uh, those Pats have a. Uh, Home and Home coming up this weekend against the brand in Weekings. You can hear both of those broadcasts here on The Voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. And coming up in Hour 3, we will hear from head coach John Paddock to talk about that and a few other things. You are listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. It's 4.32 with your sports ticker. NBA is back from the All-Star break tonight. The Toronto Raptors, they're hanging on to that last play-on spot in the Eastern Conference. Raps are at home tonight to the Pelicans. Can catch that one on TSN starting at 6.30. And speaking of hanging on, how about LeBron James and his Los Angeles Lakers? They need to start racking up some wins as they are currently... On the outside looking in for the play-in tournament, Lakers home tonight to the Golden State Warriors. That's a 9 p.m. opening tip.
Thursday CFL report. And, well, it's been over a week now since Trevor Harris signed on the dotted line to become the next quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There's still some people league-wide that think he's not the answer, but yet there's still some people that think that he is the answer. And one of the old teams that Trevor Harris used to play for out east in Ottawa, they have a guy out there who used to cover all of Trevor Harris's games. Ottawa Red Blacks color commentator A.J. Jackiebeck. So we asked A.J., do you think Trevor Harris is the savior for Ryder Nation? Yeah, I don't know about savior, but um, I know my colleague, <laughs> Lever Sage, was on last week and put some cold water on uh, some of that. I like Trevor. I really do. Uh, you know, got to know him a little bit in his three years here, and I think, you know, especially when you look around the league, Nathan Rourke's gone. McLeod Bethel Thompson uh, moving on to the USFL. It's not exactly a who's who in terms of the top quarterbacks in the league, and I think Trevor Harris is one of the better quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. Have there been concerns about what he does in the red zone, for example? Uh, leadership, sure, there have been. Uh, that's been well documented. But I think he's grown as a person. He's grown as a player. I think they got uh, a real good quarterback, a real good person. And um, Savior, no. But uh, is it an upgrade on what they had? Absolutely. So uh, I'm really anxious to see how this plays out all over the CFL uh, because, uh, again, we're not in an era when we're talking about Ricky Ray, Henry Burris, Bo Levi Mitchell, Mike Riley, and all these star quarterbacks. There's a lot more uncertainty amongst the stars, and uh, that that means opportunity for someone to go out and grab, you know, an MOP award that maybe wouldn't be there to him uh, five, ten years ago. So I, I I think we're in for a real interesting CFL season. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleising are filling in for Michael Ball on this edition of the Sports Cage. Still ahead, we will hear from Glenn Suter on the Thursday edition of Press Coverage. Suits wants to talk a little bit about the XFL TV ratings that, um, let's just say, they didn't quite live up to the billing that was given out. Gorbage. Is that a good Boston accent? Gorbage ratings. Something like that. <laughs> I've heard Where's worse. the door, Brandon? I'll leave now. You I've... can have this segment. <laughs> yeah. Still ahead, um, press coverage with Glenn Suter. And you can chime in on the discussion through the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 306-936-6262. Uh, follow us on Twitter at SportsCage. And I know Zinger will post this episode uh, for listening, you can find it on our website, Sports Cage On Demand. And you can always call in at one 767 Do we have Andy Mack on the line? We do. So, okay. We will go to one hour east of Toronto and are now joined by our gambling expert, Andy McNamara. And Andy, just one thing I want to touch on, first of all, before we talk about uh, odds with NFL free agents and the scouting combine, I have to tell you, I watched a feature on the Fifth Estate with Bob McEwen. He's that investigative journalist. And um, he did a deep dive into all this gambling that we see. We see the odds on CFL games now, on NHL games. It's everywhere. And uh, it made me think a little bit about how, you know, there's some there's some risk here. And, you know, I'm not one of those, um, I don't want to use the word, it would be a derogatory word, so I won't say it, but I'm not one of those people who thinks that we should never drink, we should never smoke, and we should never gamble. But I thought there was some relevancy to it, and uh, you made a comment last week that 
uh, you do your gambling by maxing out at $5 bets. Is that true? <laughs> yes. Yes, gentlemen. That is, that is very true. Um, I love more the more so the process. I like the the research of it. I like the just the the going through and like okay, well, how how can we win? What's the best option? It ties into fantasy football, right? It all it all intertwines. What's the best way to do it? It just turns out uh, in my bones in my DNA, I'm a cheap sob, and uh, five bucks is it for old Andy? That's it. If I <laughs> if if I if I didn't have that gene, I might have been in. In some trouble earlier in life, but nope, five bucks is that's it for me. I guess gambling's like everything else. In moderation, it's fine, yes. but over and above, then you've got a problem, and that's true that's in a lot it. of other areas. That's it. Like, oh, for example, if uh, you guys mentioned the XFL, like if you were laying a thousand bucks on uh, Vegas Vipers versus Arlington Renegades last week and took the Vipers, and dang it, they lost by two to the mm. Renegades, might want to call the, that hotline number you see on uh, mm. on all those commercials. <laughs> and and hate the XFL a little more than some of us CFL lovers already do. Hey, Andy. Well, okay, guys, like their site stinks. Have you been on their website? Like it's a. It's like a, a college intern did. It's, it's so basic. Like the Rock owns it. This is the site. Yeah. It's terrible. Do you know terrible. the type of people that should be calling a hotline, Andy? Is the type of people that want to crawl in dark holes for <laughs> full four straight days, such as Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Today is the day that he crawled out of his hobbit hole, man. What are the odds that his brain is up to par and ready to come back to play some football this year, man? Is this like the Groundhog Day, or is, is, do we track how much more winter's left now? Is that what we is that what we do? Did he like, see his on. shadow? Did he see uh, an old shadow of Mike McCarthy back when he used to be yes. a Green Bay Packer coach? You know, big chubby Mike standing there, and if he saw that, that was a sign for him to not to play football anymore. But if he saw a nice, handsome, eyebrowed Matt LaFleur standing there, you know, just flourishing, nice, you know, just standing there glistening, that's the sign for him to come back, something like that? I don't know. That's got to be it. Like, how... I And I guess, you know, we don't know because the amount of money and celebrity affects everybody differently, right? I would love to have the problem to have the amount of money Aaron Rodgers had and see how it would affect me. Um, but he is just so self-indulgent, so full of himself. Like, it's it's absolutely wild. Like, the wanting to make this spectacle, I'm going to go sit in a dark hobbit hole to think about if I want to play football. That's my quarterback you're talking about. You remember that, Andy Mack. That's my quarterback (laughs) now, right? Here's the thing. Here's why why Aaron Rodgers is going to play football. Because he has $100 million in guarantees. That's why. You don't need to go sit in a dark hole somewhere. You got to look at your bank account and think, hey, I can have 100 more mil in there and go do other weird stuff and vacation in other holes in Hobbit land or wherever. I don't know. He's going to play football, no doubt. You're not leaving 100 mil on the table. The question becomes... Where I still think it ends up with the Green Bay Packers. I really do. I think that's where it ends up. Um, Has and those he, odds changed at all? Uh, you know what? The odds on DraftKings Sportsbook, I was just looking at that. They've been taken down oh, man. for the Aaron Rodgers. Something's in the air, Brendan McGuire. That's, that's so what Somebody I'm thinking, knows guys. something. Huh. Right? Something might be cooking. Uh, and so uh, I feel he's going to stay. Um, there's, he's in the same spot Brett Favre was in, right? Except he was the Jordan Love. The only difference is Jordan Love isn't very good. So uh, he doesn't want to lose that spot. And legend, I don't think. Um, but if if there's a deal, does the new we talked about last week, guys? Does the New York Jets make sense? Yes. Are they? Can they take over the AFCs? Perhaps. And I think people make too much out of Oh, Aaron Rodgers wants to go where it's easy. 
if this dude believes in himself enough to go live in a hobbit hole in the dark and thinks that's going to sort and, and that he has like universal powers, I don't think he really cares which division he plays in. The team that keeps popping up is the New York Jets, and I keep hearing yeah. that for Aaron Rodgers and for Derek Carr. Is there an odds that we know of that's posted that the Jets will get one of these two? Do they post the, that? I, as far now, as far as one of those two in that setting, like uh, in either or, no, there would be odds on each of them, like the odds of right. Derek Carr okay. going to the Jets, the odds of Aaron Rodgers going there. I think Derek Carr ends up the second-place prize to whatever team wanted Aaron Rodgers and didn't get him. And I still think Derek Carr has been underrated his entire career. The guy's been in messes in Vegas in with the Raiders. Just think about the leadership that he was able to do after that John Gruden disaster. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about that. Mm-hmm. And he stepped up. And then you have Josh McDaniels here who's trying to do all this weird stuff, and he just had enough. I think Derek Carr can be a winning quarterback and he's certainly an upgrade on Zach Wilson. If he ended up in New York, that's an upgrade. I don't think with Carr you win the East, but you make the playoffs. Are there some good odds that can be had on other NFL free agents or pending free agents? Well, it's as far as like which free agents could go where on the main public books, not so much. But when we look at players that could, um, let's say, either win awards, the MVP, or comeback player of the year, that's one I think is really interesting, guys. The comeback player of the year. Now, the w- leader in the clubhouse on that is DeMar Hamlin of the Bills. If that guy mm. steps on a football field, he's winning it. We know, right? And deservedly so, my goodness. Right. However, if for whatever reason, it doesn't go to him, I think a very interesting play at a pretty sweet payout of plus 3,000 is Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns. Mm. Being. Everybody loves a comeback story. Now, the Watson situation and what he did, didn't do, accused of. We Look, the, US, the USA, they love to tear people down. They love to build them back up for the comeback. This could be a comeback. If he plays well, plus 3,000, that guy before he took his self-hiatus from the Texans and the man at a trade was the NFL leader in passing yards that year and in completion percentage, and was at the top of every major category. He gets back there, there's a real shot. Plus 3000 is some pretty sweet money. You can get that on the DraftKings Sportsbook now. Our gambling expert, Andy McNamara, joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh, NFL scouting combine that's coming up. Um, I know that odds get posted over who will be the number one overall draft pick, and, and I assume that they post odds for number two, number three. Can the combine mess with that? Oh, absolutely. So here's... Here's the thing with the combine, and people laugh, like, oh, it's the underwear Olympics guys going through it. And yes, but I'm a junkie for the combine. And the reason being, if you just watch it surface level, oh, it's guys running, that's not a football play. And perhaps that's true. Guys aren't running in no equipment for a 40-yard dash. However, if you watch those drills, especially let's take wide receiver for an example, and you get great, you get, if you listen, you get some great analysis. Michael Irvin did a, a, does a tremendous job every year. I don't think he's on it this year. But about a receiver's hands, for example. And he'll show you. He's like, look, if you if a, a receiver holds his hands this way, that means he's a natural pass catcher. Is he catching it to his body? Is it out? Is he catching it in stride? Does he lose speed with it? And then you start to tune in. So, okay, if you have a few guys in different uh, areas of the draft or spots where it's like, okay, they're pretty close, 
And you watch them at the combine, and they're catching that ball with that smooth, natural ability compared to someone maybe fights it a little bit, still gets it, but maybe fights it a little bit, maybe isn't as natural. That's where you can really start to hone in on those draft picks. And if you're a savvy better and you're looking at guys who, let's say, number one or, or wherever could go to a team, that's where you want to look. So the combine is very important. So people can win or lose draft stock and also the stuff we don't see. The interview process for teams, a lot of NFL teams say that's the most valuable. We, we don't hear about those. Some guy comes in late for a meeting. Well, maybe that just cost him a round in a, play, in, in a draft position. And that equals millions of dollars potentially lost. How does the interview? You combine that with the physical, with the real take, all part of that process. So the combine, super important. So, so for some betters out there who maybe prefer to look at odds on something like the NFL draft, and that's their version of playing the ponies, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. um, is there some wisdom maybe at looking at players who are expected to go really low and reason to think that, you know, their draft stock could raise, I'll put five bucks on them, um, you know, going in a higher slot because the odds are paying really well, and then the combine comes around and it shifts, is there the possibility of that same website or sports book offering an early payout? Hmm. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't think because of the, um, of the combine directly, but guys, we see combine heroes every year. There's guys who leap up the draft board. Uh, look no further than DK Metcalf from not that long ago, who was coined, it was nicknamed Batman because his body looked like Batman's armor. Mm-hmm. Rose up. You have guys, every quarterback is another one. And you'll have, you'll have players who can seriously raise their draft stock multiple levels based on their combine performance. And when you look at the odds of that, now we're looking at, let's say from um, on the DraftKings Sportsbook here, okay, we got uh, wide receiver props. Okay, so the, the first, for example, you can bet on the first wide receiver selected, Quentin Johnson, plus 125. Okay, well, let's say Johnson's at the combine, and it doesn't look that good. Or, and you get the official measurements, too. We know how the, the college is, that so-and-so 6'2", 220, all of a sudden at the combine, he's uh, 5'11". Oops, right? That, that could happen, too. So that's another part of it. You actually get to see the true height, weight type of thing of these guys. Uh, Zay Flowers is plus 750. Well, let's say Zay Flowers going now. He's a heck of a talent. He did really well at the Senior Bowl. Let's say Z Flowers go balls out. Well, all of a sudden, if you think that that could happen, you could get your plus 750 Z Flower odds now. After the combine, those he could be popping up as a higher favorite. Lower payout when that draft comes. And that's, I think, where you can really make your, your hay um, with using the combine. Now, on the other hand, you know, you bet on the guy. He falls flat. It can go the other way, too. Just like any other bet. So you, you win it. some, you lose some, and that's all part of the game and the entertainment. Those are some good... Betting tips from our gambling expert. You can follow him on Twitter, Andy McNamara, at AndyMac81. Great job, as always. Thanks again. I love it, guys. Talk to you soon. See ya. That is Andy McNamara joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Still ahead in hour three in this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage, we will hear from Regina Pat's bench boss, John Paddock. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball on this Thursday edition of the Cage, barring any 
flight delays. Ballsy will be back in the catbird seat tomorrow for the Friday edition of the program. Still ahead in hour three, we will hear from John Paddock from the Regina Pats and also Glenn Suter of TSN on his regular press coverage Thursday check-in as well. Uh, you can chime in through the uh, text line at toll-free, sorry, I should say 306-936-6262. That's the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line. You can call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620 and also our Twitter handle at SportsCage. We do have a text here on the text line for Mr. Brendan McGuire. TC's wondering, thoughts on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders bringing in a vet import receiver? Terrell Walker, Darvin Adams, R.J. Harris on a prove-it deal, question mark. Interesting. Darrell Walker was NFL caliber and I think good enough to play in the NFL. He was as good as Duke Williams was at his prime. I think those are two good comparables. Uh, the big difference would be they wouldn't blow a quarter million dollars on Darrell Walker if, as per uh, was it TC who made yep. the text? TC's suggestion, uh, it would be a prove-it deal where he'd have a really low base salary. So I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think you'd have a tougher time getting an agent to agree to that. But if they're agreeable to it, why not? When in Rome, uh, the nice thing about the Rough Rider Receiving Corps is they have two Canadians uh, who have been deemed worthy of NFL consideration. I'm talking about Kean Schaefer-Baker and um, Braden Lenius, Lenius who... Um, are penciled in as starters, provided that they're both healthy. So uh, they have a little bit of flexibility that way, and uh, remains to be seen what Tevin Jones can do. But let's not forget, Tevin Jones isn't exactly a nobody either, right? Yeah, he's he made played some in nice national, plays. And he's played in the National Football League, too. Mm-hmm. And um, we just haven't seen a lot of him yet, and he's a relative unknown. But everybody's a relative unknown at the very beginning. But you could do a lot worse. To answer your question, uh, you could do a lot worse than signing a Darrell Walker on a prove it deal the question is uh, will he or his agent go for that um, keep the text coming again 306-936-6262 I remember when the first year after the pandemic hit Darrell Walker had a real down season I remember hearing um, the TSN guy Dusty Nielsen on his uh, talk show in Edmonton, commented that he wasn't sure that he could still play in the league. He Apparently, he was losing one-on-one battles. So it sounds like the regression uh, on Darrell Walker is real, and he's not the same player he was pre-pandemic or before he went to the National Football League. But if it's yeah. a prove-it deal, that's the key. On, on a prove-it deal, uh, the downside is very low, and even though he's an older player and probably isn't going to be an asset hanging around for long, uh, if he comes in and has one great year, well, then that was a good pickup. And I don't think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders would be the only team in the hunt for somebody like that. It doesn't but, help that the Edmonton Oaks really don't have a quarterback. I mean, I'm looking at his stats from 2021. Uh, Darrell Walker, he had 531 receiving yards, and remember, that was a short year. 11 games played Mm -hmm. the one thing that stands out is he had zero touchdowns that Mm -hmm. year and he only had one touchdown last year and that's before in 2019 he had six the year before that eight two ten so like he's consistently put up at least five six seven touchdowns a year and it just hasn't happened the last couple years so i think the wild card in edmonton and in what you're saying is what is Taylor Cornelius? Yeah. And we don't we don't know. He can throw the ball really hard and it looks really good, but sometimes, you know, if it's a screen pass, you don't need to rifle it at the guy's melon, you know, just give him a nice little Brett Favre shovel. 
something like that. Why? Well, that's the question, though. We don't know how good or bad that he's going to be, but I think that Edmonton Elks did the right thing by signing him last year to a team-friendly type deal. I think it was like in $200,000 range, $300,000 at that's, the most. That's smart if you think he's going to be an above-average quarterback mm-hmm. or even an average quarterback. I heard one personnel guy say that he's not sold, that he's going to be that player, but on the flip side, Chris Jones, pretty good talent evaluator. Whether you like him or not, and there are a lot of people here who don't like him, and there's good reasons why he's loathed in certain quarters, the way he left Edmonton the first time, the way he left Saskatchewan. But one thing you cannot take from him is he is a tremendous talent evaluator, and I would even say on the offensive side of the football, too. His one downside here in Saskatchewan was that he could never get settled at the quarterback position. Well, look who the quarterback was that he chose, and even took some flack for spending so much money to get Zach Caleros. I think they paid him 450000 And playing receivers at cornerback and this and that. Well, you know. yeah, but but that, the, the point that I'm making no, is I know what you mean, he, there's some pretty trusted eyes there, in uh, or experienced eyes yep. in Edmonton, and somebody there thought it would be fit to hitch their wagon to Taylor Cornelius, and he's not the only one who made that observation. Remember, the guy who's now in Saskatchewan was benched in favor of a deeper look at Taylor Cornelius by the regime before Chris Jones in Edmonton. So They better be right on Taylor Cornelius because they have a lot of great receiving talent now in Edmonton. Geno Lewis, uh, they got Stephen Dunbar in there as well. They got Kyron Moore. Like They got guys to throw the ball to, but if, if the guy can't get them the ball, then... A lot of toys for him to work with. It remains to be seen if he's the right guy to get the ball into their hands. Still ahead, after the news, we will hear from John Paddock of the Regina Pats. You're listening to the Thursday edition of the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. And you can chime in on this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage on our Twitter handle, at Sports Cage. Also, the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 306-936-6262. Still ahead in Hour 3 of this Thursday edition of the program, we will hear from Glenn Suter of TSN, he wants to talk a little bit about the crummy XFL TV ratings. Sounds like everything took a nosedive off of their original projections. A lot of skepticism about whether these startup spring leagues will survive or not. And we'll get into that a little bit more uh, with our pal Glenn Suter. But right now... Um, we want to follow up on last night's big win for the Regina Pats, a 6-3 to three triumph over the Medicine Hat Tigers. And joining us to talk about that and a few other things on the Western Pizza Hotline, the head coach and senior VP of Hockey Operations, John Paddock. John, good of you to join us. I understand you're on the road to Manitoba? Yes, but glad to be here. Okay, well, thank you for taking some time for us. Uh, our producer here, Sean Kleisinger, uh, always has to choose the Nick Service uh, Clutch Performer of the Game and uh, in Emerald Park. I should say Nick Service in Emerald Park. And from last night's victory, he went with Tanner Howe. Would that be a good choice, do you think, uh, his four-point effort in that win over Medicine Hat? Well, I think there was lots of, uh, excuse me, lots of uh, choices you could have had. Uh, there was another guy on that line had six points, so either one of them would have been pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, you could have been, you, you would have been all right picking number 98 for sure. Um, yeah. Those pesky medicine hat Tigers have been a tough out for you guys this season. I'll bet it felt good to finally get one back on them. Yeah, very good. They're a very good young hockey team. Uh, they can really skate. And uh, the first two games I looked at as we sort of gave 
the one at home, the first one away, and then uh, the next game in Medicine Hat, uh, they were full marks for their victory. Um, I, I, I want to talk about the team in general, but uh, I, I will talk about number 98, um, Tanner Howe's line mate, for just a moment. Uh, we all deal with distractions on a daily basis. Even those of us not playing on the ice, we're always taught to avoid those distractions in whatever our day-to-day occupation is, but it's often easier said than done. Um, if there's one thing that I've observed about Connor Bedard is that it seems that he has a unique ability to shut off the outside noise, whether it's people hounding him for interviews, autographs, radio interviews, anything else. He seems to have an almost, for lack of a better term, Bill Belichick type of focus on playing the game, keeping his eyes on the prize, and not being distracted by all the outside noise. Is that a fair observation of what separates him from the rest of us and why he is so successful at his craft? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons uh, he is at such a high level that he, you know, can focus strictly on uh, task at hand, and uh, he is able to shut things out. I think what we, the general um, public, doesn't know, like uh, his demands, the demands on him, that they can't all be uh, reached or satisfied, but are. If you thought it was a thousand times, it's a hundred thousand times. And so um, we're having to deal with a lot of stuff like that. But him personally, um, he can certainly focus in on the task at hand. What we see is probably 1% of what he actually has to deal with. And uh, you, you, you've had a very charmed hockey life. Um, you, you've coached some big stars. Uh, Shane Doan, Keith Kachuk, Tamu Solani, Danny Heatley. A lot of names come to mind. But I would think shielding Connor Bedard from some of that as a 17-year-old would be a, a unique and even new challenge to someone even as experienced as yourself. Would that be a fair take? Yeah, and it's, it's far from just myself. It's, you know, the organization and the team and, and so forth with, you know, as we go forth, as we go into other cities, uh, etc. Um, I think uh, I think it's the most sought-after a uh, young player um, in junior hockey ever, uh, because you know, if no for no reason, not just what he's doing on the ice, that could be compared to McDavid and Gretzky and and so forth, and just is what it is. But with social media at a lot more heightened level than when McDavid was seventeen, um, that's a big factor in it, and uh, it's you know. He'll get a, he'll, strangely enough, I believe he'll probably get a bit of a rest from it uh, when he turns pro. That's interesting, and and I know a lot of us had a front row seat to, um, for lack of a better term, the circus that followed Jordan Everly around when he was here in Regina. And uh, looking at what we've seen, I feel like that was batting practice compared to what uh, what Connor Bedard has to go through. And I know Dante DeCaria's phone rings off the hook with different requests, etc. Um, I want to talk about some of the other guys on the roster, too. Um, we had Drew Sim on this program last week, and uh, we asked him about uh, the fact that there was open competition for the starting goaltending position back in the offseason. And uh, he said that that tough love approach was exactly what he needed to hear. Are you satisfied with how he's responded since training camp? Yeah, I think Drew's had a pretty good year, um, for sure. Uh, he won the, he ended up winning the job. Uh, you know, we had three 
veteran goalies at the start of camp and uh, a young young one in Kelton and uh, tried to give them as much opportunity within games and, and practice and I don't think it was a lot of opportunity. It was a short window because that's just what it is to play. Well, we actually played five exhibition games this year. So here you're dividing that's amongst three and a young goalie. Uh, there isn't much There isn't much time. Uh, and we hit the regular season and we quickly went to somebody who was, you know, having more success at that moment. And I think it's worked out well for both parties, for Drew and us. Sure to have a clear or nice to have a clear cut number one, I'm sure. Our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline is Regina Pat's head coach and uh, uh, senior VP of Hockey Operations, John Paddock. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. When you look at uh, Drew Sims' game, John, what has improved the most? Uh, I think his, his composure in that and uh, his seriousness about the position and, and wanting to be better. I think that uh, I think before he, you know, we don't had him for three quarters of a year last year. Say, so I, I think uh, he thought that just ability could do it. And uh, at the end of the season, in different conversations with different ones of us on the staff, uh, we emphasized, you know, how much work has to go into it and so forth. And I think that that's been the biggest change for him. John, uh, we appreciate you taking time for us. And before we let you go, um, I just wanted to bring up, um, I noticed the story about Jonathan Taves still suffering uh, the effects of long COVID. Um, I know you had a a pretty serious health scare um, part of last season. How's your health? How are you feeling? Oh, I feel good. Uh, Yeah, I've been past the seriousness of it uh, last spring and uh, feeling pretty good most of the time uh, and I say that you know I've caught a virus and different things like all people have during the season here but uh, overall I feel really good well we appreciate you telling your story about that because there are a lot of people who are affected by that and um, when they see somebody in the news who's impacted by that they realize well it's not just me and uh, this is something that uh Affects all of us in one way or another. A um, couple of games this weekend. Uh, you can catch both games here on 620 CKRM. Home and home between the Pats and the Wheat Kings. Pre-game show at 635 with Dante DiCaria. Puck drop at 7. John Paddock, thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks very much. Okay, and that is the head coach and senior VP of Hockey Operations, John Paddock, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Yeah, we got some breaking CFL news BC Lions acquire quarterback Dane Evans from the Hamilton Tiger Cats in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick. That's Interesting. From, uh, yeah, well, so. and you think about it, Vernon Adams Jr. is not making huge dollars, so they can probably squeeze both of them in, and they might have to restructure um, Dane Evans' contract. We're just trying to give some instant analysis on the fly, but... Uh, Boy, that changes things as the plot thickens. And we the were Toronto just talking Argonauts, about him last hour. Well, yeah, right? and, and, and how we thought he would make perfect sense for the Toronto Argonauts, and that goes completely out the window, and now the Argos uh, have one less option. How does Vernon Adams to, Jr. feel about this? Uh, I don't know. You know, teams need to have two quarterbacks, but we'll discuss it a little bit more yeah. on the other side, and you can join in on the discussion on the Capital GMC Pontiac Buick GMC. Sorry, I'll start that again. Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 3069 Three six sixty two sixty two. Call us toll free at one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio six twenty CKRM. 
Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleising are filling in for Michael Ball on this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. Coming up, we will hear from Glenn Suter in this Thursday edition of press coverage. And uh, I thought that was a good visit with the coach before the break, John yep. Paddock, and uh, some very candid thoughts about what's happening with uh, Connor Bedard. He said, for, you know, if anybody thinks we get a thousand requests, the reality is we get a hundred thousand requests. Yeah. And. I don't doubt that because we don't live in their world. We don't see uh, what they see behind the scenes. Best and thing about that interview was to know more that is health. Yes. yes, very, very good news. C- C- Coach's health is uh, is good, and uh, we wish him good health and everybody else out there. And uh, I that I mean it when I say that was important that he told that story because I felt like there were some in the hockey community. Because let's be honest, the hockey community got the absolute crap kicked out of it by the the pandemic, the restrictions. And there were some in that world who thought that this isn't real, this isn't happening, this is ridiculous. And it was just a reminder that, no, this is real. And I'm not saying I agreed with the, all the restrictions either, but we had to figure out a way to get this thing, this virus, under control. And um, so I thought that, that he did a real service to a lot of people, I think, in uh, just being public with his story. And he told it to Rob Vanstone, formerly of the Regina Leader Post. Big news in the Canadian Football League. You heard, uh, we don't have a zinger news stinger. Yeah, we A should. zinger stinger. Zinger stinger. That uh, that you could have used when you broke the news of um, Dane Evans being traded to the BC Lions for a fourth round pick. So the big question is, are the Lions going to eat that contract? I think Arash said he's supposed to get like four hundred thousand. I'm sure Three Down Nation has all the uh, salary information, but uh, if they're going to pay Vernon Adams Jr. starter money and Dane Evans that kind of money, I have to think they're going to have to rework his deal, which he would probably be amenable to, but. How excited is Dane Evans going to be to go be a backup now? Because I assume that's the plan if he's going to the BC Lions. Mm, that's that's the one thing that I think we're going to find out, depending what Dane Evans is going to be making. You know, Is he going to be accepting of just going into BC place and standing on the bench? I think this is a scenario where it's going to be Vernon Adams Jr. versus Dane Evans in the preseason, and the best quarterback is going to be the starter. I truly I think that's the way it's going to go, in my opinion. Opinion. Is there a possibility of Vernon Adams Jr. losing his starting job? I think so. In training camp, two years in a row. Yeah, I think so. Why? Why else do they bring in Dane Evans? Because they're, you know, yes, we hear the discussion all the time. The two quarter, we need two quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah. Winnipeg seems to do okay with one. Yeah, like you know, it's not it's not set in stone that you need two quarterbacks. Okay, they don't both play at once, and. You're not going to pay two quarterbacks a lot of money, and it's just going to be interesting to see how much money that Dean Evans is going to be getting. But when I see this trade, I think it's going to be an open competition for quarterback one because, what, Vernon Adams Jr., it's not like he's a bona fide starter in this league. It's not like he has outrageous outrageously good stats. It's not like he has a bunch of Grey Cup championships. He's in the same boat as far as far as I'm concerned as Dane Evans. Like they both are He's been seen as a starter but not cemented as a starter. Both guys that are have something to prove. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And uh I I just wonder what it's 
feeling like right now for Vernon Adams Jr. and if he saw this coming or not because we had him on the sports cage uh, well that would have been about a month ago and we were talking with him as if though like he was going to be the guy in, mm-hmm. in Vancouver mm-hmm. and man things change quickly because obviously now he's uh, it's not looking like that he's automatically going to be the guy come uh, week one right so in, very interesting you know I I don't feel like Vernon Adams Jr. was ever on anybody's radar. Sorry, Vernon Adams. I, I don't feel like the BC Lions were on anybody's radar for possible landing spot for Dane Evans. We heard Saskatchewan. We heard the Argos. That was it. Yeah. We didn't hear anywhere else. And, and I think a lot the, of the that lines to, just came out of nowhere. A lot of that has to do with everyone's crowning Vernon Adams Jr. as this big star starting quarterback when really he's not in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinions so uh that's gonna be a good competition this is gonna be uh the quarterback controversy quite possibly of 2023 it's is it gonna be shuffling back and forth all year long you know dane evans starts a game vernon adams jr starts a game it's gonna be interesting last year that discussion belonged in calgary with bo levi and jake mayer this year it's a little more out west mr brennan mcguire and dane evans may be a better fit to be out there because bo levi mitchell's getting good money in steel town and there's no money to pay two starting quarterback type players maybe the bc lions are a better fit for the simple fact that neither one of them are getting high dough even if you don't restructure uh dane evans contract i'm sure it will be restructured but all of that still remains to be seen my view on it Vernon Adams Jr. doesn't get no respect. And uh, for the longest time, he's like Rodney Dangerfield. And and for the longest time, um, I couldn't figure out why Chris Jones was in love with him, like why he wanted to trade for him. But he proved me wrong in Montreal, and I actually thought he got a raw deal in Montreal. So you and I might have to agree to disagree, Mr. Sean Kleisinger. But the 2023 season might tell us a few things about Vernon Adams Jr. uh, and Dane Evans, a couple of guys who maybe fell out of favor in their respective situations. Time to break. Still ahead, we will visit with Glenn Suter on this edition of the Sports Cage. You are listening to The Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Sports ticker at 531 is for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Well, we're buzzing about the CFL season. A blockbuster trade just going down a few minutes ago. I think it's relatively close to a blockbuster-ish. Hearing the Hamilton Tiger Cats, well, it is official. The Cats have traded quarterback Dane Evans to the BC Lions in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick. So, uh, of course, Dane Evans will more than likely need a new contract once he enters in the facility with the BC Lions because, well, they have Vernon Adams Jr. on the roster as well. Busy night in the National Hockey League. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers are in Pittsburgh to take on Sydney Crosby and the Penguins. Vancouver is in St. Louis. The Calgary Flames are in Sin City taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. Anaheim is in Washington. Tampa hosts Buffalo. The third place New Jersey Devils are home to the Los Angeles Kings. The lonely last place Columbus Blue Jackets will Try to give their fans something to cheer about at home versus Minnesota. Rangers are in Detroit. The juggernaut Bruins on the West Coast in Seattle. And it's a must win for the Predators if they want any type of shot at that last wild card position. They are home to San Jose tonight.
Pat Chad is for the Canadian Brew House. Head to the CBH for the best St. Patrick's Day party in town and enter in to win a trip to Ireland. Back to the blue line, Bedard on the power play. Changes spots with Spozel. High slot, shoots, scores! Deflected home by Tanner Howe, his 27th of the season, and it's 1-0 Pats. Right point, Spozel. Back to Bedard in the high slot, loading up. Right side, he'll wait, center! Had it, that's the out, rebound, scores! There's Samaremba on the doorstep. If once you don't succeed, try, try again. It's 2-1 Pats. Powell redirected all the way out to center. Here's Zach Stringer with speed over the line, and he avoids a hip check. Right side center, and Bernard scores! Third period coming up here inside the brand center. Pats up 3-1 after 40, and Bernard wins the faceoff. Foles will pass up the middle. Howe's got a partial breakaway to the net. Back hitter scores! 17-20 to play in the third, 4-1 Pats. Weisblatt to Krebs, back to Weisblatt, scores! Tigers are down 4-2, a power play goal for Oasis Weisblatt. Good check by Stringer on the forecheck. Bedard backhands it in front, Howe down low, Stringer shoots, scores! Our ass shoots and it's redirected home into the back of the net. And Medicine Hat scores on the power play. And Bateman gets a right hand from Parsons oh, and then he takes him down to the ice! Luke! Now Spozel fakes the shot, right dot, centered in front, a shot, kick saved by May on Spencer, it's loose in front, they score! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Regina Pats with a big win last night under the orange top against the Medicine Hat Tigers. 6-3 the final score. Tanner Howe with two goals. Sam Aremba had one. Connor Bedard had one. Zach Stringer and Ty Spencer rounding out the scoring for the Regina Pats. Pats defenseman Stanislav Svozol after the game. We played good in offensive, defensive and neutral zone. Uh, goalie played well too. Our power play and penalty kiss was pretty good. I have to improve my defense a little bit, so... Not a little bit, a lot. Uh, I'm happy. I can play physically too. And we scored a couple goals. Uh, we saw fight. Look one, which is good. And we finished our game. So well, I don't know. We scored three goals right in third period, and yep. and we won the game. So the Pats are back at it tomorrow night in Brandon. A seven o'clock puck drop, six thirty-five pregame show on six twenty CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. And press coverage with Glenn Suter is for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Hey, Glenn, when I hear that intro, uh, the voice of the late, great Ronnie Lancaster and then another late, great Don Whitman, it makes me think about an intro that the New York Yankees played for Derek Jeter right up until the end of his playing career. Uh, Bob Shepard, who passed away at age 99, he had like the voice of God. And so what they did was they kept playing... Uh, the intro, your captain, Derek Jeter, every time he came up to the plate. And he said that was one of the coolest honors of his playing career. I feel like that intro is probably one of the coolest honors that you have, too. Yeah, I absolutely love to hear it every single time we do a hit. Um, you know, the late Ron Lancaster was not only just a tremendous human being and, and great football man, but a Saskatchewan legend. And I think one of the best color analysts in the history of football on either side of the border. I, I think he was a fantastic analyst. 
you know, I have my hat full of favorites, but he is right at the top of the list. Yeah, Ron and Don was uh, coined by uh, Ron Lancaster and Don Whitman long before anybody ever thought of Ron McLean and Don Cherry. And uh, so, yeah, no, for sure. Anybody who watches their old broadcasts or retro broadcasts would be able to pick that up. The shortstop, number yeah, two, yeah, no. Derek Jeter. Zinger just wanted to play the oh, clip there. there so, yeah, 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 there it is. So. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Suitors Bob Ver- uh, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, your Bob Shepard was uh, Ron Lancaster and Don Whitman with that uh, with that intro. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, XFL TV ratings that came out. PU um, yeah. li- lifted from uh, ProFootballTalk.com. The XFL is back. The TV audience is not. And they're reporting a drop in viewership of, get ready for this, at least 50% from the same windows in 2020 when the XFL returned for the season that was uh, ultimately cut short due to the pandemic. Time for the vultures to swirl? Well, you know, again, you know, I I hope that some of these temp leagues and and, uh, sort of feeder leagues or or farm systems will will stay uh, and hang in there. Uh, I just, it's just hard to, when when you think about the history of these leagues, and when you know guys like McMahon were were trying to get it done in 2020, um, and now it's dropped 50 percent. I mean, you know, I want to take you back to when the CFL was in discussions with the Rock and the XFL, and there was, you know, those who had concerns with those discussions would say that these leagues have not been successful. Why would you think now it will be different? And the people that made the argument from the other side. A lot of people in the media here in Canada say, well, now The Rock's involved. And The Rock in a celebrity-driven United States is going to make all the difference in the world. Well, if that was the case, then week one should have been through the roof great. And then we probably would have seen declines over the next few weeks. But, you know, to, to start in week one down 50% from 2020, uh, you know, I think, first of all, ends the narrative that, the rock was going to make the difference. Um, but I, again, I, I think that's the concern that you have to have with these other leagues. I mean, the U S is a real celebrity driven sort of country for sure. There's no question. Um, which is one of the reasons the NFL is so popular, but they're also extremely patriotic, both from the state level and the country level. And that's why college football is so big. Those college towns, you know, you, you back your college team, you back your high school team in your, you know, local area in the States, and it's, and it's you know, tremendously patriotic. And the XFL maybe, or the USFL maybe, if they can hang in there and keep paying these, what is going to be huge losses, and just the, the money that is going to be going right down the drain is going to be enormous, um, if they can sustain that, then maybe they can get a little of those that patriotic feeling from teams like maybe San Antonio that don't have an NFL team and you know and some of those teams now unfortunately some of the XFL teams are in NFL cities so i i don't know i i just again i'm not against farm system type leagues that could help both the CFL and the NFL and keeping players active and getting some money in their pocket but i just uh, again, I always, I always think I'm a big, I'm a big Family Guy fan of the show, and I always think of, of 
you know, Peter touching the hot stove over and over and over again and not learning. <laughs> What's the definition of insanity and doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different right, result? Right. So exactly. So so yeah. I, I I get the question a lot, and you touched on the idea of a farm system, and and I I hear that question all the time. Like, uh, why doesn't the NFL have a farm system? Why doesn't the CFL have a farm system? And I've decided that my response is now there is a farm system. It's called a practice roster College. or a practice yeah, roster. Yeah, well, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, isn't football? A, or, or, is it okay to maybe just reach the conclusion that? Uh, farm systems don't really work well for football because of the need for things like continuity, understanding playbooks, understanding offenses, stuff that needs to be understood really, really well, but can't really be shared out too, too much um, so that you're not giving away secrets to other teams. And, and and maybe that's just the lay of the land that farm systems don't work. This is the one sport um, where you have college, you have the NFL, and the CFL is not a farm system to the NFL. The, far, the CFL is just different from the National Football League mm-hmm. is that is that a fair take maybe yeah. maybe that's the conclusion here absolutely yeah absolutely fair take and you know I think the practice rosters um, college football itself is is almost the farm system for for the NFL I mean there there are you know three divisions of college football basically that are direct farm sort of system for NFL uh, caliber players but uh, you know, it's also the other thing I would add, and then I've got a question for you guys about ratings, but I, the other thing I would add to that, Brendan, is is just the, the sheer cost of a football league. I mean, it's not like basketball. It's not, you know, I mean, the NHL aside, you can you, you have much more controllable expenses when you have a 20-man roster as opposed to a 55-man roster. Mm-hmm. Plus medical staff and coaching staffs that get, you know, coaching staffs you can get up around 10, 12, and in some cases, you know, down south even more. I mean, way more. Um, you know, all the costs of injured players and travel costs for 55 guys. I mean, it's it's just an extremely expensive sport. And I, But I want to ask you guys, because, you know, I, I've been talking about this for, for many, many years, and I can't seem to get through... Uh, to people in in with regards to ratings, and I, I guess the question is simply: Do ratings matter? Do, do do you think talking about ratings, whether for the CFL or hockey or the XFL or whatever, does it really matter to people? Uh, do you mean to the public to know the ratings? Uh, but my answer yeah, to that yeah, would be no. Yeah, yeah, because here's why. And I, I guess I, I, you know, that's what I thought you were going to say because I, I've been saying for years, and it's been true for years because I get the ratings in my job, that the Canadian Football League averages between 350 to 500,000 viewers per game. Mm-hmm. That is, to, to put that into perspective, that is... 10 times what MLS soccer gets on TV. Mm-hmm. That is that is 80% of the time about 100 to 200,000 more viewers than the National Hockey League gets in their national broadcasts. The the Grey Cup at 3 to 5 million every year for the last 10 years on average is the most watched sporting program in our country every single year, and mm-hmm. we don't put it on CTV. 
Oh, that's a whole. Uh, tr- 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 trust me, that strikes a nerve with a lot of people <laughs> out here. So. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not no. in those meetings. But but the you know the 10 million viewers that tune into the Grey Cup every year, the casual viewers, which is around the same number that casually tuned into the uh, the Super Bowl. Um, and it was a slightly higher. The average for the Super Bowl was quite a bit higher than the Grey Cup this year. But again, that's I, I, I love that because it's it's showing that football on both sides of the border is extremely popular. But I've been saying that over and over and over again because I get the ratings and these are facts. And then you talk about the big drop in the XFL, and I wonder, you know, no one listens when I say. Or I shouldn't say it that way. Now I sound like I'm talking to my kids, but you know, no one, no one is is sort of getting it when I talk about how great the average viewership is for Canadian football in our country compared to everything else we do on TSN or on Sportsnet. So I, I don't know, like you know, way more on average than the Blue Jays, way more on average than most NHL games. So that don't have the Leafs in it, the Toronto Leafs playing in it. So, you know, I just, I, I start to wonder, like, how come ratings are so important on Twitter and with a lot of media outlets in the country when they want to tell a certain story about gloom and doom? But when I actually give the facts, people go, ah, I don't really care about ratings. <laughs> well, it no, and and the Super Bowl is is an apple to the Grey Cup in Canada is an apples to oranges comparison because if you had the Super Bowl on CTV or CBC or both, uh, those numbers would be exponentially higher than on, than on a cable network. Um, wh- whoever, however many people are watching, I don't care about that. Um, I think some people do. I think there are people who aren't even football fans who probably do watch the Super Bowl just because they know it's one of the most uh, watched sporting events in the world. Um, I want to know if. Zinger uh, cares about ratings or not, and we will get the answer from him on the other side. Our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline is Glenn Suter. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. We'll be back with more after this. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Juwan Breskison, new receiver for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and St. Louis Cardinals outfielder and Team Canada World Baseball Classic participant Tyler O'Neill, all ahead on the Sports Cage Friday edition. Hopefully Michael Ball doesn't suffer any airport delays. Um, I don't know, I'm 50-50 on that with all the stories that we've been hearing. And uh, you can always chime in as well on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line, 306-936-6262. Have a text from Aaron in Regina. He says, Evans to BC. Figured Hamilton would have Toronto over a barrel for that one. That hurts with McLeod Bethel Thompson to Ooh. the United States Football League. Over a barrel. So, over Man. a barrel. And the Ticats will never do the Argos any Favors. We are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Glenn Suter, and uh, we wanted to ask Zinger, do you care about ratings? Does that make you want to watch a sporting event more? Depends than- what kind of ratings we're talking about. Which which ratings? Uh, like, 
Do I like being the number one sports talk show in Saskatchewan? Yes. So I like those ratings. You like those ratings? I like those ratings, baby. But as a viewer. But uh, as far as uh, XFL... Uh, I was I'm one of those people that were that was actually like refreshing my Twitter page like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday cuz I wanted to see the ratings. You so wanted to know the I story. I think that's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and Glenn I I kind of had a well, chuckle. Sorry, go ahead. You had something to add to that? Yeah, no, no, it's a great point Zinger, because I I think they matter. I really do think they matter. I I I don't I'm not sure. I'm trying to ask whether or not fans care mm-hmm. because fans you know, fans seem to, or, you know, or some of the media takes takes the narrative in a certain direction in this country, and then fans will jump on board and say that the gloom and doom cloud yep. kind of comes over. And, and I look at the numbers and go, guys, this doesn't make sense. Why is this the narrative when, when there's so many people watching Canadian Football League games? Um, but they matter to corporate sponsors. They matter to sponsors of the show. You know, the more eyes you have on, on a CFL game, you know, I mean, just think about the difference. And, I, and I'm not knocking soccer in our country. I, I, I want all sports in our country to flourish. But, um, you know, soccer averages about fifty to 80,000 national viewers. You know, yeah. fifty to 80,000. Could you imagine if the CFL was that number? I mean, we're 350,000 to 500,000, close to a million if it's a rider game. I think it's I, th- I think it's just a part of the national pastime that we love to bash the Canadian Football League. Isn't that isn't that what it is? Yeah, yeah. I I think you're right, Brennan, and and I'll, I'll let you jump in, Zinger. But I just uh, that's what I'm trying to change. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to mm-hmm. change that narrative. Yeah, I, I really do. Yeah, like for me, I care about ratings because I like to have my finger on the pulse, if you will, of mm-hmm. how things are doing, and that's a good way to. Uh, you know, gauge on how what you love is doing. I love the Canadian Football League. I love sports. So, therefore, I want to see how it's doing. It's a natural thing, and I think more people should actually... I'm not saying I'm better than other people, but you know well, what I'm well, saying. I think, I think what you're saying is it's part of the story, and the TV ratings, and I hear this from ad people for the Canadian Football League, have always been, for the most part, pretty good. I hear some concern about the demographic that sometimes, you know, it's... Um, older white guys like me who are watching and that we need more, you know, more diverse uh, viewership, especially in that uh, 35 to 54 category. But it's funny, um, you know, you you had a good point on our last episode, Glenn, when you talked about the 15-point possession that the, I think it was the San Antonio Brahmas had in their uh, game against the St. Louis Battlehawks. And uh, I kind of chuckled. I think I said to Zinger after, I said, that was a great rant. That was kind of an... um, old man get off my lawn kind of rant but the more i thought about Clint it eastwood still yeah but it, but it, but but the, the, the <laughs> more i the more lawn. i thought about it um all of these different rule changes one of one of the challenges to getting new canadians and young canadians loving the canadian football league and understanding that it is the greatest game on earth like the three of us understand it to be is it's a very complicated game to learn and if we just keep making gimmicky change after gimmicky change, that's just going to make it harder and harder, isn't it, for the XFL, CFL, or any football league? Yeah, and, and you guys talked about it. We talked about it last uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the you know this idea that that we have to fix something that is not broken has got to end. I mean, that's part of the narrative that I, I would love to see change because it's not broken. It's never been broken. Uh, tweaks are discussed every year in rules committee and and small small tweaks to the rules to make the game a little bit safer for players make the game 
you know, a little bit more wide open. They should always be discussed and talked about. But major changes like being able to score 15 points in one possession is is a tectonic shift. I mean, it's it's not just a tweak to holding at the line of scrimmage. It it is it is not it it's no longer sort of football because there is so much strategy. One of the great parts about the game is all the strategy in football where coaches have to think, you know, four or five plays ahead. The good ones understand it and they know when to make the decision to kick or kick the field goal, take the points, go for it on third or fourth down, depending on what league. And all of that completely changes if you can score 15 points in one possession. So, yeah, I just, I just want to see our leadership and, you know, leadership in football across the board in both countries just decide that it's not necessarily the the game needs to be fixed because it doesn't. It's that we can continue to improve quality of officiating. We can continue to improve the standards and, and how, you know, the thresholds to where flags come out because nobody likes to see flags. So that can be a work in progress. But uh, we got to keep the rules exactly where they are. It's the most popular sport in North America. It is. And in both sides of the border, whether it's four down or three down that you like, or both, like like everybody on this on this show, um, you know, it it it's the most popular in our country. And I and if if we believe in ratings, like we've been discussing, the ratings bear that out, even when you compare it against hockey. Now, if the Vancouver Canucks go on a Stanley Cup run. That bandwagon is going to be jam-packed full of people in the lower mainland. <laughs> yeah, but but, but day to day and week to week, the numbers just aren't as good. Yeah, and there's there's something about history and credibility. It's kind of like if you're buying a house. Um, uh, my realtor told me that sometimes it's better to um, accept an offer from a qualified buyer who puts down a big deposit and shows you that they're serious about making the purchase as opposed to somebody who offers you a better price um, but has no history, no credibility. And I think that's true about the Canadian Football League. It's history and its credibility means more than just something. It means a lot. And um, if these other leagues disappear, which I suspect and fear that they might, we might see a little more positivity go the way of the Canadian Football League. Pretty sad that it takes that for, uh, for something like that for the positivity to roll in. Suits, this has been great, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yes, sir, and it sounds good, guys. We could talk about Dane. That's an interesting story. That's that's for another time. Yes, yes, <laughs> lots of time. Uh, and uh, Dane Evans will be a fascinating story with the BC Lions. That is press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Okay, and that will bring us to the end of another edition of the Sports Cage. This has been fun, and um, that's it. Zinger at Night is next. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.